scores! Gilmore scores! With one three left! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Again to the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, happy Friday and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Steinberg, Vickers along with you and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 Gun Safe, now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Yes, sir, we are underway this hour, and uh, just just as we have going uh, back since Wednesday, uh, just want to, to preface the entire hour with, uh, once again, uh, we'll, we'll do Flames Talk on this Friday with the Snow family in mind. Uh, no update from Kelsey on, on this Friday, but... When and if the time is right, we'll uh, we'll go through the reminiscing and the the in memoriam and all of that. Uh, time is not right now, but all our good and healing vibes uh, go in the Snow family's way. Kelsey and Chris and Willa and Cohen and uh, Flames Talk fam, Flames Talk listeners, all the Flames family and everybody in the hockey world, all sending as as many good vibes and healing vibes as we possibly can right now. Hello, Vix. Hello, How are Patrick. You on this Friday. I did not realize it was Friday until you announced that. It is indeed Friday. Happy it's a game Friday. day is what it, it is, is, buddy. Friday game day. Uh, we're now into the second half of the preseason and into the second half of training camp. And as we're sitting here talking on a Friday afternoon, 12 days from the start of the regular season for the Calgary Flames, they open October 11th here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. By the way, we're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They host the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday, October 11th. Here we are on Friday, September. September 29th. So less than two weeks away. Um, and let's go inside hockey. Uh, inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. And as we enter the second half of training camp, as we enter the home stretch of camp and the home stretch of the preseason, I, I've got a question that's been rattling around my mind, especially the last couple of days of practice. Where does Matt Coronado fit in this conversation? And I ask it rhetorically or I ask it openly maybe uh, for the text line to start jumping in. Where where does Matt Coronado fit ideally in this lineup? Where does he fit best in this lineup? Is he set to play Friday night, his fourth preseason game against Edmonton? Vicks, that is the maximum. There is not a humanly possible way for him to have played more games this rookie and training camp. He played all three games at the Young Stars Classic in Penticton when we were there. Then has played three of the four preseason games to this point. He can't split himself in half, so wasn't able to play both games. As far as I know, wasn't able to play both games on the road and here at home against Seattle on Monday. So he has played the maximum humanly possible amount of games so far this preseason, and this will be the seventh. There's no question the Flames are giving him every opportunity here. They are being true to their word. This is the guy that I think they look to as having the best chance as a young player to impact their lineup, and they're giving him every chance to prove them right and every chance to do what it takes to make the lineup out of camp here. 
Well, that and he's, I think, cleared every hurdle to this point. I know the start of Penn ticked in back a couple of weeks ago now. Game one didn't necessarily go the way he wanted to, and it looked like he was trying to do too much out there as opposed to just playing to his strengths. And as Penn ticked in, went on and on, and we saw it firsthand, his game continued to elevate, continued to elevate. We saw him in the initial preseason game where he scored a hat trick, had another assist, four points. There's not much more you can do to top that or to endear yourselves to the Calgary Flames as an initial showcase. Mm -hmm. And I've just liked the way that his game has trended and wherever he's played, regardless of city location in the lineup, I think he's shown well. And I don't think it's necessarily just, oh, look at him. He can score goals. It's uh, his 200-foot game. I think he's more than capable in his own end. It's his ability to play away from the puck. And, and we talked to uh, several people in Penticton about, okay, well, what is a successful game for Matt Coronado like? And it's a lot of it's his play away from the puck, whether that's the determination to go win it, his ability to support teammates, or just finding those quiet areas in the offensive zone where he can be a receptor for a pass and then put himself into a scoring opportunity. To me, he's cleared every hurdle to this point, and you're right. He's, they're not shy to put him in, into games. He's played literally the max, as you said. I don't know if that'll go from the start of Penticton right to the end of training camp with the three Penticton games and seven of eight preseason games. I do think maybe give him a break at some point, but then again, he was second in fitness testing him on prospects as well, so maybe he doesn't need it, but the point is... He's been given every opportunity, and I think he's cleared every hurdle to this point. I uh, asked Kale McLean, Flames assistant coach, earlier on this Friday about that, about the workload that he's had and about the energy levels. And, you know, this is uh, – I, I thought Kale gave a, a really good response. Yeah, you have to w watch out and, and manage all those things, energy levels, so on and so forth. But as you'll hear from Kale, they're very much – dialed in on giving this guy as good a chance as possible to to really get up to speed here i think in certain situations you you want to give them both every opportunity to um show everything they can be and also you want to make sure you get them up to speed because it's uh like this this season when it turns into regular season all of a sudden all these veteran guys have another step yep. so the confidence the energy level yes you you want to make sure we're mindful of their overall levels when it comes to how often they're skating and how often they're training after they skate but I think game reps for a young guy like that is really important. And you also, you know, you want to keep in mind with any younger player, um, you know, a lot of action early in the season is good because sometimes there might be periods one way or another where they don't get as much action as a, as a Lindholm or a, Backlund, a Backlundwood or a Huberdeau. So give him some, lots of action here and let him, let him sort of find himself as an NHL player. So there, and you just heard it from the coach. They want to give this guy an opportunity to get up to speed, and they want to give him an opportunity so that he's not behind the eight ball when the puck drops for the regular season. Like That sounds like a coach that isn't saying for sure that he's on the lineup or, or in the lineup for opening night, but at the very least there's an acknowledgement that, yeah, this guy's very much in the mix to be on this team, and if he does end up proving that he should be on the team, they want to give him the best chance to succeed when the games matter even more starting on October 11th. Yeah, there were two prospects I was most interested in when training camp started. It was Matt Coronado and it was Jacob Pelletier, and unfortunately Pelletier suffered that shoulder injury that'll have him require surgery and be out indefinitely. So I think to a degree that amplifies the spotlight on Coronado a bit. And the interesting, the fun part is in discovering who Matt Coronado is at this stage of his career, 
the deeper he goes into camp, the harder the test is going to be. Again, we're not going to necessarily see the Connor McDavid's and the Leon Dreisaitl's against the Edmonton Oilers on Friday, but we are going to see more competition as we get deeper and deeper into camp and through those final preseason games. But what's also interesting is he's going to be supported with more talent as well, and we'll get to that in a second, but you've got, it's one thing to do it against inferior competition, and, but now you're going to be loaded up with some top-end talent on the Calgary Flames, and his job is to now keep the energy level up and keep the game up that's gotten him to this point, that's earned him the promotion to being tested in a sort of top six role. So again, Matt Coronado to me is the focal point from here on out in terms of, oh, I wonder who's going to make the team or I wonder which youngster, and we heard Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska say it all throughout the summer and into camp, is there's going to be opportunity for youngsters. There's no bigger opportunity amongst the young crew of the Calgary Flames and Matt Coronado. And I'm just curious to see how he continues to progress and if he continues to progress, but all signs point to that progression continuing to happen. So back to the original question, where does he fit right now? Because when you take a look at the way things have gone line combination wise and what we've seen so far, and I know that camp is not done and there's still lots to determine and maybe what we've seen for most of training camp so far isn't how they end training camp. You never know, but you know, here we are. Training camp is uh, more than a week old. Uh, it started last Thursday. Time flies. And we, I know. And, and here we are on the Friday. So we're about halfway through it. Um, and it's been Lindholm with Huberdo and Sharon Govich. It's been Backlund, Coleman, Manjapani. We've seen a lot of Kadri, Dubé, and Ruzichka. Well, in this game, especially because Ruzichka had a strong game Wednesday in Winnipeg, played down the middle in that game. He won't play in this game on Friday, so it's going to be Coronado on the right side of Kadri in the middle and now Dubé on the left. Is that where he fits best? And thus, is he in a fight right now for a top nine spot with Adam Rizicka? Yes to your second question, and I think I know your answer to the first. I would still be curious to see him tested on the right side with Backlund down the middle and Blake Coleman on the left. Now, we've seen the fact that it looks like it's going to be Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman again and why not reunite that group they were so effective at five on five last season that it's almost your safety netter so you're all almost your automatic go-to just because they were so successful as a trio last year so I do think that we're looking at a situation where if you're going to work Matt Coronado into top nine minutes the logical spot as it stands on Friday September 29th is alongside Dubé and Kadri now I could see a scenario where if, and this is an if, and we're still in preseason, but if Sharon Govich doesn't look like he's the fit you hoped he would be with Huberto and Lindholm. And they've only played one game together and they've so only, far. They've been practicing pretty much exclusively yep. throughout, they've but they do have the one game. Yeah, absolutely. But I could see a scenario where it potentially is a guy like Matt Coronado in competition with perhaps Dylan Dubé or an Andrew Mangiapane to see who's going to play that top line right wing spot. But as it stands today, I do think that that second line with Dubé Kadri and Player X is up for grabs between Matt Coronado and Adam Rizicka. And Rizicka's had a really good camp so far. I've been really impressed. He's uh, He has been consistent. He has been dynamic. The offense has been there. Like I, I've, I've had... N- next to no issue. I thought he was really good in Winnipeg. I thought he played well in the game here. The win over Vancouver. 
I've liked him. I, I, I felt like he's had himself a strong camp, so he won't play in the game against Edmonton. Coronado will, but if it ends up being, if they end up deciding it's Rizicka on that line to start, does it make sense to put Coronado on a line with, say, Kevin Rooney and Walker Dewar or something like that? Does that make sense for a guy like Matt if you're maybe still getting him some number two power play time or something like that? Can can you still – I'm skeptical, but I'm, I'm trying to throw out some options. If, if they feel like Rizicka is the best fit and it's proven that way in their eyes that Rizicka fits best with Dubé and Kadri to start the season and it's not Coronado – is there another place for him the way this roster seems and the way this lineup seems to be shaken out? And that's obviously not counting injuries or, or taking anything unforeseen into account. But as it stands right now, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a spot that makes sense, a glaring spot that makes sense other than the one he's going to play in against the Oilers on Friday night. I think from a tactical standpoint, he has the ability to play on the fourth line. He has the two-way game. He has the play in his own zone. At the World Championship for Team USA, he was playing in penalty kill situations. So I don't think it's outside of the scope of what he's able to. You're not asking a 90% offensive forward to play a primarily defensive role. You're asking a guy that has the ability at both ends to do it, and he could be a fit there. Now, for me, it would really come down to what are his minutes. And you mentioned getting PP2 time. I think that would be integral if you're keeping him up on the big team on the fourth line, then you've got to feed him those power play minutes. And to be perfectly honest, I think you need that fourth line to, to play, I'm not going to say significant five-on-five five minutes, but you want to get into a situation where he's not playing eight minutes of five-on-five five per game because I don't think that necessarily helps develop him. And would he be better playing you know, 22, 23 minutes in a top-line role with the Wranglers? In that situation, I think he probably would be. But again, he does have the technical ability to fill a fourth-line role in my mind. It's just a matter of, do you think you can work him into the rotation enough to justify minimal minutes on the fourth line versus playing top-line minutes in the AHL? It's interesting, and and let's hear from him a little bit, and then we'll pick up the conversation after that. But uh, Matt spoke Friday morning inside the Flames locker room ahead of the game between the Flames and Oilers and, and talked about how camp has gone so far and how he's feeling. I think every day it's just about getting better. I think feel more comfortable every every day. Um, I think for me, I'm just trying to keep getting better and keep improving as as the days go along. Is there something specific that you know you want to improve part that you want to work on and maybe make a little improvement on? I think just focusing on little details, um, being hard on pucks, being good on the forecheck, things like that. Um, I think for me, I'm just trying to. Uh, Learn the kind of the, the way this team plays to the best of my abilities and, and execute little things. What's uh, what might be the biggest part of the learning curve for you right now? What's kind of the thing that you're focusing on the most? Or, um, it's tough to pick out one thing. I think for me, I'm I'm just trying to show up every day and and bring my best foot forward. Um, and kind of just help the team win win these games. Some excitement about the the line tonight here, and maybe an opportunity to play with Oz and uh, and, and Dylan. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. It's a great opportunity. Um, there's a lot of great players. Played played with some great players in the past games too. But I'm definitely excited for tonight. But do you have that ease? I guess with the relationship you have with Dylan, certainly playing with him. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play with Dylan. Um, 
like I like I've said a million times, he's been um, unbelievable, kind of tape leader for me and a guy to follow. So uh, being able to play with him is going to be a lot of fun. And this is preseason game four. I'm the time and pen ticked in. Like, how are you feeling? Energy levels are. I feel good. Um, it's a it's an exciting time to to be in this room and, and play with these guys. So it, it's kind of easy to keep the energy up. So there's Matt Coronado when he spoke earlier on Friday and talked about the energy right there. He's not he's not feeling like uh, it's dragging or anything like that. There's a lot of adrenaline when yep. you're trying to make your uh, first NHL team out of your first camp. But um, yeah, I I'm and then somebody somebody texts this in. Both Coronado and Ruzicka should make the team. Uh, Rooney should be in the AHL. And I don't know if it comes down to um, one of, you know, I don't know if it comes down to, you know, if both those guys make it, Rooney won't make it. Yes, there are some cap implications with Kevin Rooney's cap hit um, at whatever it is, 1.1, 1.3 million. Um, yeah, there's a couple hundred grand that would still be on the books yeah. if he were to be re- uh, reassigned to the AHL. But if it doesn't, like, I, I, I start to think, okay, what if, what if they decide to go another direction? What if somebody else works best with Kadri and Dubé? I don't know exactly who that would be off the uh, off the top of my head, but could you have a Rizicka Coronado someone else line? Could you put Walker Dewar on a line with Kadri and Dubé? I'd be curious that about work? that. Um, you know, not having Pelche here changes a lot of things and changes the plan as well, and it just. It makes for some really interesting conversations. If you go to Cap Friendly right now, Flames have 12 forwards on their roster, including Coronado and Ruzicka. Rooney is not one of them. Dryden Hunt is not one of them. He's very much in this mix. Uh, Walker Dewar is involved in that 12. So Ruzicka, Dewar, Pelche, who is not going to start the season, and Coronado are all counted in Cap Friendly's 12 forwards right now, while a few names aren't. It just... You'd have to for for at least for me for the fit to really for the fit to really work for Matt. If it isn't with Kadri and Tube, and if it's not on that line, maybe you'd have to look in at a little bit of a different looking fourth line for it to really be the most effective for it to work for Matt. And I know that you don't make your decisions based on one player, but as we're talking about this one player kind of feels like that would if you if you could put him and Ruzicka in a fourth line role maybe they're playing 12 minutes a night and still get Matt Coronado some power play time then I still think that you could give him a chance to be successful the other point that's worth raising here is just because he starts a game on the fourth line too doesn't necessarily mean that's where he ends and if there's a trio that just doesn't happen to be going for the Calgary Flames any given night I imagine you could drop Matt Coronado onto that line with his energy and his skill set. Don't want to say revive the line, but maybe give that group, that trio, a little bit more juice and use him that way. Whereas, okay, Matt, you might start, I don't want to say every game on the fourth line, but we might start you out on the fourth line, but be ready to jump into a a top-line role or a second-line role or maybe even on that right side with Backlund and Coleman, depending however the game is unfolding. If there's one duo that needs a little bit of a jolt, you can really move Matt Coronado, I feel, up and down the lineup. And we heard uh, Ryan Huska mention with Jacob Pelche and how they expected him to be one of those players again to, to push and make the team and how you can use him up and down the lineup. I don't think Matt Coronado is necessarily any different in terms of 
being able to put him on any one of the top three lines. And again, I think his two-way game is, is good enough at this point where if you're using him in a fourth-line role, which is typically a defensive role, I don't think he's in over his head in that spot. And again, to your point is, well, what if you did a fourth line that's a kid line and they're an energy line as opposed to maybe just what we'd consider a fourth line to be defensive and you pair him with another couple of kids that, again, have to show enough to make the team but then use that as an energy line, and then you can mix and match those parts as well. Uh, a few more texts at 960-960 on this conversation. This says, Rizicka is a better fit with Kadri and Dubé. Coronado better suited for the top line. Uh, Jamie says, I like the sound of that line combo for Coronado, talking about playing with uh, Kadri and Dubé. Um, this says... Between the tail end of last season and this summer in this training camp, we've heard a lot about the impact Dubé's had with the younger players. Kudos to him, but also kudos to Lucic, who took Dubé under his wing while he was learning the ropes. That's from Greg in Varsity. And this says Versteeg was a fourth-liner. Now, Versteeg was an older player, an established NHLer when he was a fourth-liner. He knew some shortcuts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This says Coronado has to play in the top six. Ruzicka, Dubé, too streaky, but he's better than Ruzicka in my opinion opinion i don't think i i I always push back on top six i think top nine especially with how the calgary flames exactly that's that's what i mean with this team it's more of a top nine as opposed to a top six i don't know if there is a there's a top line like obviously whatever line lindholm and huberdo are on that's probably gonna be the top line but then I don't know if there's a set number two line because I think a line centered by Kadri and a line centered by Backlund are both going to get what you could call second-line responsibilities. Well, and through the summer and in Penticton, when you and I have debated, okay, what do the top three lines kind of look like and where does Sharon Govich fit and where does Coronado fit, you had the thought of this is where he fits with Dylan Dubé and Nazem Kadri. And you were going to leave the third line of Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman alone. And I kind of wondered out loud if you put Coronado with Backlund and Coleman and elevate Mangiapane so you have that Dubé, Kadri, Mangiapane look. But you said something that was interesting to me in keeping Coronado with Kadri is you have your top line that's going to draw all the hard matchups. You have the Backlund line that's going to go head-to-head with the other team's top line. So there could be a lot of offensive freedom for a line consisting of Nazem Kadri. Matt Coronado and Dylan Dubé to get some prime ice time and maybe a not-so-prime matchup where they can exploit whoever's on the other end, at least at home. And to me, that is very curious. And I'll be curious to see how that trio functions against the Edmonton Oilers here Friday because I do think it's one of those legit combinations we could see on October 11th. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. A few other topics to touch on as we continue on this hour. Uh, Jeremy Poirier is going to make his preseason debut Friday night. He's uh, been back with the main group practicing for a few days now, and after missing the start of camp and missing the start of preseason and missing the Young Stars Classic, recovering from uh, some off-season injury stuff, he's ready to go. And that's that's just good news. Whether, whether or not he's a factor on the NHL roster to start the season or if the American League and, and the Wranglers to start is where he's destined, just getting him into another NHL preseason, getting him into some games here before a decision is made, it's just big for the team because there's a, there's a lot of hope and a, a lot of... Um, 
I don't know. The, the, the organization likes him. There's a, there's a there's, lot there in Jeremy Poirier, and the Flames see that same thing. Yeah, there's a lot to like in his offensive game, certainly, and we've heard since his, his draft year and even just before that um, as a 17-year-old in the queue, he is as dyna- dynamic from that draft class in terms of defensemen offensively as there was. And he's needed to round out his game defensively from center ice back a little bit. And he had such a successful rookie season as a pro last year in AHL all-rookie team nod. I'm curious to see the, the steps and the progression and the growth that he's shown 200 feet of the ice. But I'm not going to be judging that tonight. This is his first game, as you mentioned. He didn't play Young Stars. He didn't play yeah. any preseason. This is his first game going back to last season. There's certain to be some rust. There's certain to be some timing issues. I don't necessarily think that a... I'm setting the... I know where the bar is in terms of where I'm setting it for him, and it, it's not super high just because this is his first in-game rep that he's had in, what, yep. six-ish months? So, again, if he shows great, fantastic. But to me, this is really a getting up to speed of where training camp is right now, more so than, a, oh, he better blow the doors off if he doesn't want to get sent to the AHL uh, Saturday morning. Uh, Flames also have made their latest uh, latest group of training camp trims. They have assigned Etienne Morin to the Moncton Wildcats of the queue. Also have released uh, Michael Diot from his ATO. And then four players assigned to the Wranglers to help them get their training camp started, which I believe gets going early next week on Monday. Uh, so Parker Bell, Brett Sutter, William Stromgren up front, and Jared Gorley on the back have been assigned to the Wranglers, and they uh, assigned a number of players to the Wranglers on Thursday. Thursday. I'm, the, the, the days all blend together. Don't worry. I was second-guessing uh, it with you. Uh, so they're, they're starting to give the Wranglers some bodies to be able to go through camp, and so some more bodies sent down there today. Um, the the guy that that I think made some made some waves as camp went along is Moren, um, latest or or second round pick from the latest draft, and you know as as time went along, like it was not the greatest start for him in Penticton, and he figured it out as the tournament went along. Was not the greatest start for him in that preseason game uh, against it would have been the Monday game against Seattle. It was not a great start for him, and he figured it out, and by the end of that night, looked pretty darn good. So Got some power play time in that power game. Play time. Courtesy of Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, that, that foul <laughs> mouth of Mackenzie Weger got him, uh, got got him in a little Moran trouble. Some, uh, got, and got Moran some power play time. So he was never going to be a factor as an 18-year-old no. in the NHL this year, but a good first camp experience, and that'll send him back to the queue with, I think, a lot of confidence and maybe a little bit of a springboard here. Yeah, and the one thing that I noticed, and I'm sure you picked up on it as well, is in Penticton he was playing the right side. He was playing his offside with Jan Kuznetsov, and for a lot of what I saw in exhibition here, he was back on his left side, and when he was paired with Kuznetsov, it was Kuznetsov on his offside. And I, I just thought he looked better and more comfortable playing his natural left side as opposed to the right side. And, and like you, I thought he continued to grow. He continued to show more. And I'm not surprised he goes back at this stage of, of camp because, again, he's 18. He wasn't going to be as, like, I would, he would have had to absolutely crush a thousand foot home run to, to stick around to the final two, three games of the preseason. Just makes sense to get him back to the queue, get him situated, get him comfortable. That season's underway. Get him back to playing with his club team out east and then just let him naturally develop and percolate and just pop in every once in a while, say hi, say this is what we're noticing in your game. How are you feeling about your game? What about this tweak? What about that adjustment? 
So I'm okay, and again, like you, the progression from game one of Penticton to, to what we saw up until today, I think, was was a positive sign for Etienne Moran in his first pro camp. It's Pat and Vickers along with you this hour of Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement-y. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, time for our Friday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable. He's Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Pat Steinberg along with you. We're here at the Scotiabank Saddledome and the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. And now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek, help us uh, pick up on the conversation we were having for a good chunk of this hour earlier. I'd be curious as to where you fall in on it. When you take a look at the roster, is it shaping up? And, you know, we've seen some pretty steady line combinations all through training camp and even in some of these preseason games. And then there's Matt Coronado, who on this Friday night is going to play with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé on a line. Where where do you see Matt Coronado fitting most ideally on this roster or in this lineup? To start, I would say somewhere in the middle six and playing with a veteran centerman who plays a 200-foot game. Now, the good news is Flames have three of those guys in Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Backlund. So I guess you could play him with any of those three guys. But, you know, I've said all along, and, and I'll stick with it now, I don't think that it would be fair to Matt Coronado to ask him to start in Tyler Toffoli's old spot on the right side of the first line with Elias Lindholm. And uh, I think it's safe to say that Jonathan Huberto is probably going to get a, a little longer run there this season than he did last. So uh, if Coronado eventually works his way up to that line, great. But I think starting him somewhere in the middle six, whether that be on the right side of Nazem Kadri, where he's playing tonight, or on the right side of Michael Backlund, where we could potentially see him at some point in time, would be the best spot for him. I'll eliminate the fourth line. I just don't think that Matt Coronado is a fourth line type of player and I also think that that's Walker Dewar's spot being on the right side of that fourth line so yeah somewhere in the middle six I would I would put him. Pat Steinberg completely sold me on starting Matt Coronado on the second line with Dylan Dubé and Nazem Kadri simply because the Lindholm Huberto line is going to draw the top matchups the backland uh, Coleman, Mangiapane trio is going to have the toughest assignments going the other way, which I think particularly at home frees up the combination of Dubé, Kadri, Coronado to do some really good things offensively. And I think having Dylan Dubé drive that line with his speed, have Nazem Kadri's sort of veteran presence and ability to bring the puck into the zone um, if that's the way they enter, and then just Matt Coronado's overall skill set of always being able to find a way to work himself into an open position. I think that trio sets up best for success, at least off the jump. And if the Calgary Flames need to reconfigure what their top nine looks like, then you can evaluate it then. But just looking at the skill sets of Dubé, Kadri, Coronado together, plus the matchups that the top line is going to get, plus the matchups the other way that the backland trio is going to get, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp that Pat Steinberg sold me on in putting Kadri, 
uh, Dubé and Coronado together. And I'm really excited to see that against Edmonton Friday night. But here's the fly on that ointment, as I pointed out a little earlier. We've seen Adam Rizicka there for the good chunk, for a good chunk of training camp, and I think he's had a really strong camp. And I think that he, at this point, is in line to be on this opening night roster and in the opening day lineup as well. I think he's had a really strong camp and has had that camp playing with those two guys a lot, which makes me wonder if they decide to go with Ruzichka on the left side of Kadri and Dubé, then where does Matt Coronado fit? And that's where I have a little bit more issue because, Derek, to your point, does it make a ton of sense to have him with, like, a, you know, a, a Kevin Rooney or a Kevin Rooney and Walker Dewar or something like that to, to start the year? I'm not as convinced kind of like you are. So it's then makes me wonder – well, then do you shuffle things up a little more elsewhere? Could you do a fourth line with Ruzicka, Coronado, and Dewar and make them more of like a non-traditional fourth line? Could that work? It's just a lot of things start going through your head. The Pelche injury is is certainly a wrinkle that I don't think anybody, well, I know nobody was expecting. So it, it, it really makes for a more nuanced conversation because, okay, I'm with you, middle six, but then where, especially if Adam Ruzicka proves that he belongs in the middle six? Well, I could see Adarujitska playing fourth-line center, but what I couldn't see is having Matt Coronado and Walker Dewar on the same line because the Flames don't have a lot of right-shot forwards, so why put two of your right-shot forwards in the same line? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, Adarujitska has been good, and I guess there is a battle going on to be that fourth-line centerman, and I'm not even sure – who all is involved in it, I would say Adam Ruzicka would be one guy. Kevin Rooney would be another guy. Now, Connor Zary's had a pretty good training yep. camp in preseason for a second straight year. So, you know, maybe he's in the running for that spot as well. But I'd like to see Coronado playing somewhere in the top nine, maybe even on one or both sides of special teams if he earns that opportunity. But, yeah, I, I think you're pretty safe to put him on a line with Nazem Kadri because – as you pointed out, Aaron, uh, that Lindholm line, they're going to get some tough matchups going up against the other team's top defensive group. And then that back one line is going to be asked to, to shut down the other team's top line on a lot of nights. So I think that could free up the cadre line and put Matt Coronado in a position to do what he does and that score goals. The one thing I will point out, and I'm with you, Wilsey, that I don't necessarily think the, the setup of having two of your three right shot forwards on the same line in Dewar and Coronado necessarily makes sense. But Matt Coronado did play left wing with Chicago in the USHL in his draft year. I can't speak to whether or not he played it at Harvard or not, but he is versed in playing his off wing. But again, I don't know if I necessarily like the theory or the utilization of having two right shots on one line when you've only got one other right shot forward, and he's a centerman. Just put him on the line with Lindholm, and then you can have all three of your right shots in the same line. <laughs> so you're, you're, so let the record show, Derek Wills is lobbying <laughs> for Coronado on left, Lindholm down the middle, Walker Dewar on right. Yeah, go nuts, Twitter. Uh, yeah, um, if Ruzicka proves that he deserves to be there, I really wonder what that means for, for Coronado here. That's going to be an interesting story to watch. It's uh, Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, speaking of line combinations, 
we've seen Lindholm, Huberdeau, Sharon Govich together basically throughout camp. They've only played the one game together. They're going to play another game together Friday night, but camp practices they've been together throughout have not been broken up. Is is this are, – are we getting to the point where maybe we can start to think this is what they're thinking for opening night in about 12 days? I think it's safe to say that's what they're thinking or what they're hoping for, but – we've still got almost two weeks here and I thought they were okay together. Uh, again, tough to really evaluate an individual player or a line or a team in that 10, nothing victory over the Canucks on Sunday, but I thought they were just okay together. So let's see if they maybe built a little bit of chemistry together in that game and can build on that tonight. And, and we've talked uh, to Ryan Huska about uh, what he believes will be a good fit for Yegor Sharon Govich playing in a line with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Hubert. Oh, he talks about the fact that Sharon Govich plays with pace. That could back off defenders, open up a little bit of ice for a guy who probably needs a little time and space uh, to be at his best in Huberto. And then maybe Lindholm, as he did a couple of years ago, playing in a line with Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, can find those soft spots in the middle of the ice because uh, he's got probably as good a shot as any Flames forward from that spot. So, uh, again, I thought they were okay in the first game, and now I'm anxious to see if they can build on that against uh, a better team, not a great team that the owners are sending to Calgary tonight, but uh, certainly better than what we saw from the Canucks on Sunday. Yeah, I've been minded what I've seen out of Sharon Govich, both in-game action and in practice, and put the asterisks practice really doesn't necessarily mean much um i would like to see a larger sample size in game of that trio working but as derek mentioned there's still lots of time left to tinker and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple different individuals on that right side just to get a feel for what a different look might look like again preseason and training camp is is the time to tinker uh so you are set to hit the ground running once the regular season starts once you've you've already had that couple of weeks of building chemistry and whatnot but there is still a lot of time left, and I wonder if either Coronado, as we mentioned, it might be a little early for him to, to get an audition there, but either Coronado or Mangiapane gets a chance on that right side if Sharon Govich isn't the 100% fit, if he isn't 100% locked in for October 11th. There's still lots of time to play, but as it stands right now, I think everything sets up for that debut um, game one of the season. Yeah. Huberto on left, Lindholm down the middle, Sharon Govich on right. Guys, I just don't know or why. Or Dylan Dubé, really guys. Just- Sorry, yep. sorry to jump in there, Pat. Still, or Dylan Dubé. That's okay. Because Ryan Huska said that one of the reasons he thinks Sharon Govich can be a fit playing with Lindholm and Huberto is because of the pace that he plays with. No Flames forward plays as, with as much pace as Dubé. So, uh, again, if we're looking at other potential options, I'd, I'd include him as well. I just, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't start that way at this point. You've invested half a camp with those three guys together. I think when they acquired him, they looked at it and said, hey, we think this would be a really good fit for him. And I know that we haven't seen a ton of it in training camp, so it's uh, at least in game action in training camp, so it's a little difficult to evaluate. But at this point, unless we see a few preseason games, it's like, oh, this clearly isn't working, which I don't know if you really could get a good gauge of in preseason games. I just I don't know why you wouldn't at this point and and see what it's like when, once the games really matter. See what it's like against a, a decent Jets team, and then when you go on that road trip right after the home opener, uh, it just 
Because if you're invested in having the backland line together with Coleman and Mangiapane, and honestly, if you're trying to win hockey games, why wouldn't yeah. you? Um, why wouldn't you start with Sharon Govich on that right side with, with Lindholm and Huberdeau? It just, I, I feel like you'd be out thinking yourself at this point if you, if you went away from it. Now, that's not to say that they shouldn't try different things in the remaining three preseason games after this one on Friday, but it just seems you've invested as much time in it. They clearly targeted that the day they acquired him in late June. So why, why not just go forward with it, at least in the early stages, when games really matter? Well, and here's the other reason why I'd selfishly like to see it. So they traded Tyler Toffoli for Yegor Sharangovich and a third-round pick. And I know it's going to be difficult for Sharangovich to replace the 34 goals and 73 points that Toffoli had last season. I mean, he only had 13 goals and 30 points last season, but Sharon Govich has been in the NHL for three seasons. If you compare his even strength points to Defoley's over that stretch, they're almost dead even. So Defoley has had a lot more power play time than Sharon Govich. So, you know, I'd be interested to see if, you know, if Sharon Govich put in the same spot as Defoley on the right side of Lindholm can produce that even strength that uh, somewhere close to the same clip, because I mean, why wouldn't he? He's 25, Toffoli's 31, Sharon Govich should only get better from here, and their even strength points have been pretty much even over the last three years anyway. So uh, I think it could be a good spot for him, and uh, I think it'd be fun to see uh, how the two players compare this season after being traded for one another. Yeah, we uh, going back to the Hubert Olintholm, Sharon Govich trio, from my perspective, I haven't seen a reason not to continue down that road again. The sample size is incredibly small, and we will see that unit go to work against the Edmonton Oilers here Friday night. Now, ask me in 60 minutes of game time from now whether or not my opinion is still the same or not. We'll see. But for now, um, I will disagree with you, Pat, slightly on the How they've invested you? so much time here. That To me, that's... Sunk cost you fallacy. Like, you mean like nine days? That's nine a whole days. Nine days. They've sunk invested. cost fallacy. I'll throw at you all day. But again, to this point, I haven't seen a reason why it can't work. So you might as well continue down this path and see what you have in that trio. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's not like you've invested the last eight months in it or anything like that. Um, it's just, you know, I, I maybe part of me still thinking about how they really barely let. Huberto, Lindholm, and Toffoli breathe right. last year before they broke it up, and I and I know that Huberto may never have worked with anybody a hundred percent last year because there was such a such a learning curve with his season and so many things going on outside of hockey. I just if if you target something and you want to make it work, why not give it a try for some meaningful yeah. time? So we'll see we'll see how it all goes. I'm curious to see them against the Oilers. That's for sure. Yeah, me too. And really, when you look at the Flames' top nine tonight, outside of Andrew Mangiapane not being in the lineup, I think the nine guys, or eight of the nine guys who are in the top nine tonight yep. will probably still be in the top nine come opening night on October 11th. Yep. Uh, and that, uh, that, that I agree with 100%. So... Um, just before we uh, just before we wrap up here on a Friday, Willsey, just thought I'd uh, give you uh, give you just a couple minutes on this one too. Just cause we started the look. We're we're um, we're holding off on the in memoriam or anything like that. Uh, just until the time is right, and the time's definitely not right uh, right now uh, with with Chris Snow and the Snow family. But when the time is right, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Remembering, um, but all of 
Flames broadcast Wednesday night, Flames talk since Wednesday, has all been being done preface with, yeah, pretty somber, pretty heavy heart. So just thought to wrap, wrap with that and just give you a chance to say a couple words, Wilsey. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've all had heavy hearts the whole week. Uh, just thinking about Chris, obviously, but also thinking about Kelsey and Cohen and Willa and everything that that family has been through and everything that that family has done for others. And you know, I, I think it's really important that that doesn't get lost. I feel very comfortable calling Chris Snow a hero. I mean, he has gone through these clinical studies to try to help himself, obviously, but also to, to help others who have ALS. Uh, and you know, he's going to donate his organs. I, I mean, just a, a wonderful man. Uh, and I think about all that Kelsey has gone through, taking care of him, sharing their story, just such bravery uh, from, from all the snows. And, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sad when, when we have to say goodbye to him. Uh, he has fought the good fight. Um, he's lasted a lot longer than anybody thought that he would, including the doctors. He's uh, raised a lot of awareness and raised a lot of money uh, in the fight against ALS. And he is beloved not only here in Calgary and by the Flames family, but I think uh, by everybody who works in hockey and who loves the game. So uh, I'm not sure it's quite sunk in for me what, what's happening here. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure others yeah. feel the same way. But uh, we should celebrate all that, that Chris and Kelsey and, and their kids have done um, during this long fight. So... I would just, I'll just leave it with this, uh, snowystrong.ca. You can read more about uh, their story. Uh, if you're able to, you can donate to, uh, to help support their fight against ALS. And uh, our, our hearts remain heavy. Yep. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. See you in a bit. Oh, yeah, we'll see you at the rink. That's uh, Derek Wills. That's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames roundtable. That'll wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Cam and Taylor back at Sportsnet 960 World Control. And this hour, spin the sports drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450. Or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.